right, guys, welcome back to the 443 Podcast. Me and Reese are coming for you after a crazy game at the Emirates from the Lounge in North Phoenix. <laughs> Reese, start us off. Crazy weekend, man. Uh, no other place to start than the biggest game of the season. Uh, uh, Arsenal at home defeating Liverpool 3-1. to Matt, first off, before we jump into the game, what are your thoughts? Well, give me your initial reaction after a huge three points. A relief. Uh, it was a nervy game, I'm going to be honest with you. Um, Arsenal had control in the first half up until the last seconds, and what my brother kind of called it after the second goal. Um, he goes, oh, it's two mess-ups, and then that Saka goal early on separated the game, and then he left before um, yeah. Troussard yeah. scored, but it it was always on the edge of the knife until they, Troussard opened it up. Yeah, and I want to, I don't want to toot my own horn, Matt, but... Uh, <laughs> I think you picked it. I think I had to, but... In this circumstance, I don't know if you remember what we talked about a couple weeks ago, but I did say I want to see Declan Rice a little further up in the midfield. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I want to see Jorginho back at the DM, but he was injured at the time. Yeah, He slots right back in uh, due to, I think it's mainly due to Jesus' injury that you let me know. Mm -hmm. Uh, We're hoping uh, a quick recovery for Jesus because that can be scary. But you guys completely dominated them in the midfield. And... Uh, you also neutralized McAllister, who has been, and Curtis Jones, who have been in, in great form lately. So, um, what were your initial thoughts uh, after the first ten minutes? Again, you guys just dominated the game. It felt like for the whole forty-five minutes until that last second goal that they had. Yeah, I'm trying to remember when when did Saka's goal come in? That was in the fourteenth minute. Okay, so it was right before this. Yeah, I thought that Arsenal were just controlling the heck out of the game yeah. and. I was, but I was just like, oh, they do this all the time, and nothing ever comes of it. And then Saka was able to get that goal right after that. But it looked like they wanted, they came out to impose their football. They knew they couldn't blitz Liverpool like they do a lot of other teams. Yeah. So they just tried to control possession. Um, at the half, um, Arsenal actually were leading possession in the end. It ended up being forty-two percent Arsenal, fifty-eight percent Liverpool. Yeah, that's because Liverpool had to. Yeah. Liverpool had to try and get back into the mm-hmm. game. So. Oh, yeah. But I, I agree with you, man. Uh, I feel like in the sense that um, you guys came out with a much different plan than what you guys usually play as. Well, we've done this bef- we've done this a little bit before with um, Jorginho playing control, but we did it with Rice right next to him as his babysitter. And Rice played a little bit more forward with Odegaard this time, yeah. which we had done the prototype of this before, but never this formation. I think it kind of threw him. Because yeah. Rice was on just... To me, it looked like he was on like Hoover duty, like getting the ball back, counter-pressing. Yeah. Win the ball back and then progress the ball at mm-hmm. the pitch with his ball-carrying yeah. ability. Um, Which he normally doesn't do yeah. because he's normally in that Jorginho controlling maestro role at the back. Exactly. Now let's go to the other side with Liverpool and just the initial reaction that I had to their squad. And one thing I noticed was that two things. One, I saw Gra- Gra- Gravenberch starting uh, in the midfield, which... I personally didn't think was the right time to have him give a full 90 minutes. I feel like he could have gone with Harvey Elliott. Well, wasn't or, Harvey Elliott, but he come back late because his father had passed or something like that, they said in commentary? That was Bradley, oh, the gotcha. right back that destroyed okay. Chelsea midweek. He, so he, his father passed okay. away, our thoughts with him. But I just feel like they could have done with a little bit of a different approach. Uh, like they had Gak, they used to use Gakpo as that left eight, you know, for them, but they went with Gravenberch. And I thought that was... Uh, a little concerning, and what I also found was concerning was Darwin Nunez was on the bench. 
And Darwin Nunez, as much flack as he gets, he's been one of the most informed yeah. players in the last several he, weeks. He did worry me when he came on because, like... They had a little extra yeah, oomph to them, Yeah, in a and sense. that's when they started to take the possession control. Yep. And he stretched the Arsenal back line, and that's mm-hmm. when they... Uh, I think that's why Vichinchenko was pulled before Nunez came on, because they knew it was coming. And, and they needed a fresh set of legs to help out. That was a great point that you make with the, the Zinchenko st- uh, subbing because Kivior came on, and I feel like he was a different class of left back today for you well, guys. I mean, I'd be tired too if I was with Ben White. <laughs> oh, uh, ben White with another great game as well, speaking of the oh, guy. He was toying with them in the first half. Yeah. It was. He had a couple of saucy plays. When for him. I say I love Ben White, you're like, Ben Shite. I always kind of look at you like, all right, man, I know you're like, we're, we're going for different teams. And there were players that you like that I kind of wink, like, kind of squint at, but. We like to banter. Yeah. No, <laughs> and every, every team has that, that, that thing to him. I remember I followed this Man United fan, and he was just talking up somebody. And then they ended up becoming good this week, that new midfielder they had. Yeah. Uh, Kobe Manu. Yeah. But he was just like, he's better than everyone in the league. And oh, I'm like, gosh. calm down there, bro. <laughs> it's a little too soon yeah, for Yeah, you're that. a man United fan living in London. Calm <laughs> down, bro. <laughs> uh, but in terms of what I found most interesting about your approach to the game, or the Arsenal's pro- yeah. approach to the game, was were you guys out of possession. And when you guys were out of possession, instead of being the high-pressing team that you are, you guys let them have the mm-hmm. ball. And I feel like that was just a you, you, totally unlike you guys, because you guys are willing to... The has, most aggressive team off the ball in the league, yeah. actually in all of Europe at one point. I'm not sure if yeah. you still are that. You guys are the type of team that's willing to throw haymakers and, and, and throw but punches back. I think against Liverpool, they learned they can't do that. And they yeah. didn't really... The, the thing is, they really did it against City because they didn't have Rodri in the, the game previously, home yeah. game, where they won. But I don't know if they're going to do that away at the Etihad with Rodri on the pitch. Yeah. And De Bruyne. I think they're going to encapsulate this strategy if Pep doesn't have a counter to it early on. The approach is going to be, you know, very important going forward for you guys because as we talked about over the last couple of weeks, we haven't really been impressed with Arsenal in open play, mm-hmm. but you guys completely shut those. Well, all three of these goals came from open exactly. play. Um, it was, they've been building it since they got back from the break. Yeah. But like you and you said, we haven't really been impressed. And I've always, I've just said in text messages to you multiple times, I'm kind of like, man, like, I'm glad they're winning and they have to win these two games, but and they're showing signs, but they're not... It's not pretty. It's not pretty, and this was pretty. This is a yeah. pretty victory. They out-tacted Klopp. Yeah, the only, I guess, and maybe this is just sort of as a game as a whole, but I felt like only the first goal was the the most impressive goal. I'll get into Trossards in a moment. I feel like Allison was off some Percocets or something during yeah. the game, but we'll get well, into we'll talk to about We have to talk about that Martinelli yeah. goal coming up, yeah, but for let's, sure. let's give Sokka his flowers right yeah, now. So we get into the first goal, and I want to start all the way in the uh, towards the back, where you guys actually started playing out of the back, which was another thing we were talking about is you guys have been reluctant to do. Raya was throwing some amazing passes mm-hmm. out of the back. There was one to Martinelli before his goal where I, even Tom was like, that was an amazingly pretty pass. He just couldn't control it. And he I went think, right to his feet. I think the confidence of you guys starting to build from the back again was because of that extra true midfielder of Jorginho instead of it being Kai or who you know Trossard, whoever plays that left eight. It's, you know, you had Jorginho, you had Odegaard, and you had Declan Rice. That's a true midfield right there. Kai did his job as the as yep. the nine up front. Exactly. So for the first goal, you know, it starts with Gabriel, who plays it to Jorginho, to Zinchenko, to Kai Havertz, all in sort of a triangle. And then he plays it back to Jorginho, who plays a through ball to Kai Havertz. Kai Havertz should have probably put the opportunity away, but it deflects right off of Allison, right into Saka's pathway. And it, and honestly, everything outside of Kai's shot, it was a beautiful build-up goal and a great finish from Saka. Um, very impressive. 
Now we get into the very last goal of the first half. Matt, walk me through the pain in your head and what went down in that goal. Did I text you or my dad uh, like F the F word? Like, no, you did not. You said that's Oh, I said that's my father that, oh, okay, that's not good. <laughs> that's not a big cusser. I thought I said it to you. I'm a, okay. Uh, well, I'll have to talk to my dad later today. Um, but honestly, man, I... I just, my head was in my hands. Like, Tom, my brother was just like, why are you so upset? They were playing good. I'm like, that's the issue. <laughs> I go, Tom, this is the issue all season. They they come out, they control the game for 44 and minutes and 30 seconds, and then they just let something go in a game of this tight of margins. You can't. Because, and I had to explain. I spent the entire halftime explaining to him why this game was so important. Mm-hmm. And in terms of that, you guys completely won that first half. Mm-hmm. Like, you deserved a lead to go into half. That's what Timmy Howard said. He goes, if that hadn't been for that mess up at the end in the last few minutes, we would be going, what are we watching? What is this arsenal? Basically, yeah. along those lines. And I think Liverpool just came out a bit flat. Again, I think, it, in my opinion, I think it was to the changes that Klopp made. I didn't like the the upgrade or the swap between Nunez and having Gakpo up top and not having Gakpo in the midfield, having Birch on the field. It just looked flat. And... Uh, yeah, that could also be credit to you guys with neutralizing, like I said, that midfield because they had no clinical end product. They had no transition play, really. Well, they, like you said, they let Rice and uh, Jorginho rule the midfield, yep. and Jorginho is a metronome. When you allow him to go off, he's like, I don't know if you ever played like the game Magic: The Gathering, mm-hmm. but there's okay. Any Magic: The Gathering is out there. Understand this? <laughs> there's control decks that once you get your combo off, no matter what you do on the other side, you're basically just wasting your time you have to accept the hits or you have the... to just accept that you're gonna lose there's no real gotcha. way to undo it it's just once the combo is initiated you're gonna lose in like three turns kind of like those like dudes who play mortal Kombat yeah. for a living i gotcha yeah they hit you it's a card game but it's like or if you've ever seen i've never played it but when people play Yu-Gi-Oh and some guy just starts doing like 50 things by doing one thing that's like what is what, happening <laughs> that's what Jorginho basically does exactly there are players that give you certain things and the reason why man city are Arsenal and Chelsea all wanted Jorginho is because he has that ability to just slow the game down, make it methodical, perfectly pass it, control it. You come at him, you're going to foul him, and then yeah. you're going to give, you know. He looks like a guy that you can easily take the ball off of, but he is you the can. most difficult yeah. player to take the ball yeah. off, which is insane to me. Um, and I think one of his most underrated attributes is his leadership on the field. Mm-hmm. He's probably the most organized player with the structure of your defense to command that defense in front with the people behind him as well. I'm listening to a book right now about the last uh, Arteta's time at Arsenal called Revolution. Um, what's it called here? Revolution, the Rise of Arteta's Arsenal hmm. by Charles Watts. Mm-hmm. And I just got to the point where at the end of last season, where at the game I was at actually, Brentford, and he was talking about how Jorginho... Um, is basically, even after being only there for like three games, is basically the co-captain, uh, yeah. co-coach on the pitch with Odegaard. He's can... the coach of the defense, and Odegaard's the coach of the attack, as well as having um, Arteta to be the coach on the sideline. And what I was most impressed about in the second half from you guys in particular, outside of the great, the great counterattacking that you guys had, was, again, neutralizing McAllister. Uh, when you guys went into your low block... Uh, low block with quotations i'll say mm-hmm. um mcallister had no windows of passage like windows to play his through balls too he had maybe one in like the 70th minute but again with mcallister's quality he is exposing these low blocks but there was nothing they even got to the point where they brought on tiago Al- alcantara 
who has not made an appearance for Liverpool this season, who is, mm-hmm. in my opinion... Of, uh, it was his first game back on the bench. Exactly. And, and in my opinion, when healthy, fully healthy, Thiago is a very great, like an insane player. But we haven't seen him all season due to injury. And where it got to the point where you have to bring him on to try and salvage something, it shows that you guys were were, were showing too much quality uh, defensively. Well, and like all the metrics except for possession are yeah. just kind of start to, well passes Arsenal. But you but, could you could say like in, in the metrics that you're saying though they had to though because they're mm-hmm. down they have to take possession mm-hmm. they had to start pressing they had to force you guys they had to play around they had to do the little you thing around the low block because there was no windows to play through. But so we don't forget we need to talk about that Martinelli goal. Yeah, what yeah. were Allison and Van Dyke doing? I like Tom doesn't follow the sport guys. My brother yeah. lives with me. And I had to explain to him that Allison is 1A or 1B the best goalkeeper in the world. Van Dyke is 1A or 1B the best defender in the world. Yeah. And he was like, how can they be after that? I was like, it's an aggregate, Tom. But still, that's not good for both of them to, to yeah. just basically. Even, did you see Martinelli's face where he just basically goes, what happened? Okay, I guess I have to dig it. Yeah, so... <laughs> To give clarification to you guys, there was a through ball, a very long through ball that was played in Martinelli's pathway. Uh, Van Dyke is shielding for Allison right outside the box to just clear his line, just clear the ball completely. Uh, but Martinelli gives him a little shove, which wasn't a foul. It was a, it was a perfect 50-50 shoulder shove. Um, Allison then hesitates on it because he sees Van Dyke slowly enter into his corner of his eye and he put, brings his foot back so he doesn't clear the line. Because he thinks maybe Van Dyke is going to clear it, or if there's some sort of miscommunication, ball is just perfectly into the pathway of Martinelli and Van Dyke and Allison are looking back like, "What the hell just happened?" Yeah. And it's a free pass for Martinelli. They basically to put him onside <laughs> by moving the, <laughs> past that, him. And that's where I texted my friend. I was like, uh, "Is Allison off the Perka sets right now?" And you know, credit to Martinelli and everything that he did well. Yeah, you have to have the composure to pull that off because, yeah. like. You For know, sure. we've seen it where people have had one on ones and just botched it, and you're just like, "What are you doing?" And he just like looked around for a second, just kicked the ball right in the net. <laughs> exactly. And um, I'm pulling up right now. So Konate got his red card in the 88th Eight minute, minute, and I felt he had a there was a long ball that was played to, to Kai that dragged him down, which earned Konate the first yellow. And then Kai Havertz then turned Konate a little uh, in that 88th minute. And then Konate just decked him in the face, and it should be a straight red usually, if, if in my opinion, because he. I think that it was up to the ref to for sure. um, prevent him from being banned for multiple games. Yeah. Um, so the second yellow was fair um, in that regard, but you can tell Kai Havertz had Konate frustrated, mm-hmm. and and I think he also had Van Dyke frustrated to a degree as well, which. We haven't really seen Kai that much at the nine, but he played like he's his only old, played it three times a season. He played like his old self mm-hmm. uh, at, at Chelsea in terms of being aggressive, work rate, and, and off-ball movement. And you can see that he is still a quality nine, even if he doesn't primarily play there. Now we get into the very last goal of the game. Uh, Trossard is in a one-on-one, kind of shielding the ball at the line with Harvey Elliott, and he does a nice little move to get around Harvey Elliott with a little flick past him, and just sprints by. Goes one-on-one with Allison from a very, very tight angle, guys. Like the left tight angle. And again, Allison was off the Yerka Yets. And this dude, <laughs> uh, uh, Jota, just nutmegs Allison. There's a little bit of a deflection, but like the dude had his legs... I was about to say something crazy. Yeah, the dude had his legs awesome. too wide open there in that regard. Like, 
He's looking like Vincent Company with his prostitutions that he has going on because he's been getting hoed this season with his VAR decisions. That's all I'll say. Damn. Very disappointed from Allison because uh, there could not be a bigger game where you need to show le- leadership in, in your veteran side. Well, and this, that's what you and me were kind of getting to is that it ultimately came down to a, all the goals were kind of just like what happened here except for that first soccer goal. Yeah. And uh, they were both all up to just colossal errors yeah. by somebody in the defensive box or for either side. But again, uh, the everything else that um, Trossard did there was mm-hmm. great. He deserved his goal and based off what he did to get to that position. Yeah, so, and that's yeah. that's what I was. We were talking about with Phil Foden. You're like, would he be this good? I was like, not. You can't teach somebody that yeah. wherewithal to be there. You can teach them about positioning and stuff, but. To be able to have that composure on both of the late Arsenal goals, you just you can't teach that. Exactly. Like, now, we'll jump into the table, obviously, at the end of the segment, but I have my, my question for you, Matt. Okay. Liverpool, are we worried? Talk to me. I think it's... Well, City's got a game in hand. They play tomorrow. If they win, they're tied with Arsenal again. The title race is now back to two points with them chasing. Man City's got the title in hand... Or the game in hand. Yep. Uh, I'm... I'm worried for all th- three teams because, like, it's just such tight margins. And last year, Arsenal kind of bottled it at the end. Yeah. Um, and City have gotten, or basically, I think they're at full strength unless something happens uh, between now and the end of the season. Yeah. I, I'm worried for City and Arsenal and Liverpool. Liverpool. Yeah. It just, it goes, I feel like if that game went the other way to Liverpool, a lot of commotion would have come out from the media about how confident in it they are that Liverpool would win the league. Now that you guys actually got the three points, this title race has blown wide open, even though they have a two-point gap. They have to play a lot of games still the rest of the season. And with it being a three-horse race, another big game coming up is Arsenal at the Etihad yep. against City. And if I were Arsenal, I'd be comfortable getting a 1-1 draw there if Liverpool wasn't in the mix. Yeah, for sure. Now Liverpool's in the mix. Now both teams have to go, go for it. it. Yeah. Unless Liverpool drops off, which I don't think they will. I don't think they'll drop off to the point where it's like a set. Unless it becomes a 7-plus um, break between the teams, it's it's a title race. Yeah, I agree. Now, final thoughts on Arsenal. Are you pretty confident that... With what with the Arsenal team that we saw today versus the worries that we've had over the last couple of weeks, you think they'll start to shift into that gear where we they look a lot better than uh, the last couple of weeks? I'm going to defer this question until I see what they do against West Ham okay. next week. Cause um, it, as because we've, as we've spoken about, and obviously West Ham didn't have a great performance. Mm-hmm. We'll get into that. This is West moment. Ham away. Yeah. yeah. And what West Ham is so good at is their low block. Mm-hmm. And what you guys have had trouble with is, is breaking a low block. Exactly. So, so Arsenal plays well when they are playing a team that has to play football. You yeah. saw this a lot in the Europa League group stages where the teams are the winners of their leagues. They play attacking football. And we've seen it when teams have gone to play like Brighton. We saw, well, the Man City game is a weird one. Yeah, for sure. But like, I'll say Brighton and Liverpool, both of them came out to play. And even at Anfield, they came out to play. And Arsenal did relatively good, even though it ended in a draw. Yeah. I kind of expected this to be a good game. I thought it could have gone either way. I didn't expect it to be this barn burner of a score. But I yeah. also didn't expect uh, uh, Allison and company to have two and one error. Or two errors for... Allison, one error for for uh, Van Dyke. Yeah, definitely credit to Arsenal. A huge win. But I'll uh, give you the answer next week. I, I just want to see how we handle because they like you guys get up for the big games. 
I don't know if they'll be able to. They got to start beating the minnows, and they can't be, you know, oh, you know, give six points to West Ham right. in the span of like a month and a half. Credit to Arsenal, uh, making this title race even more interesting now that after that result for Liverpool, I'd go ahead and drug test Alice and make sure everything's good with him or anything uh, in that regard. Let's go ahead and jump into the match week itself, Matt. All the way back on Saturday morning. Seems like forever ago. Yeah. <laughs> Everton at home drawing Tottenham 2-2. Two to two. I picked that score. You did pick that. <laughs> I was just about to give you credit. <laughs> Thank um, you, sir. And it, honestly, the XG for Everton is 3.26 to Tottenham's 0.92. Yeah. Dominant. And in, in that regard... Um, I thought Tottenham would learn from their mistakes from the first time they played Everton, where they almost slipped that lead and and they almost lost that game. And that's what I was thinking when I picked it because teams have bogey teams, and Everton seemed to not want be able to lose to Spurs. Yeah, they can't beat them, but they can't. They haven't lost to them like this season, and and I think last season too. Even when they were in that horrible relegation fight last season i think they got a draw against spurs exactly. at the end of the season what were your overall thoughts on the game itself did you see did you say the draw is fair or did you think uh, tottenham may have slipped away with that draw? i think tottenham slipped away with that draw it was their game to win yep. um that 90 90 plus four um yeah and you're gonna have to, to tell me how to say this man's name branton Brant- Branthwaite. Branthwaite. okay yep. sorry i can't read guys <laughs> <laughs> um it was it was just, it was kind of like the Arsenal game. Like, he deserved it. He did a good job, but Spurs shouldn't have allowed that to happen. Yeah. This was their game to lo- to, to draw, and they drew it. They, it was their game to win, and they drew it. Yeah, and I feel like Spurs, after that result and after the result we've seen from Arsenal, I feel like that may have closed the door uh, on their title race. Uh, unless, you know, all three of those top teams drop points, which I think is unlikely. Well, Spurs also play all of them if they beat all of them. Well, yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah. And that's what I was like saying with Arsenal, like when you were saying, is the top race over? I'm like, if they beat Liverpool, then no. If they lose to Liverpool, then it's down to you know life support. The issue is, is Tottenham need help just beyond them defeating those other three teams. Yeah. And I don't think, other than Arsenal maybe getting one over City or City getting one over Liverpool, I don't think Spurs get enough help the rest of the way. Um, as for Everton, a big point uh, uh, at a, against a top four team. Uh, especially, it, brought him, it brought him out of the relegation zone for a bit. And we'll, we'll talk about that in the in the table as well. But credit to, to Everton. Uh, Tottenham will have to see who they play next week to see if they can bounce back. Uh, but still came away with a point. Uh, next game here, guys, we have Brighton at home defeating Palace 4-1. to Matt, we don't like having this conversation about Palace and, and Roy Hodgson. But again... Especially after last week, yeah, hope yeah. was rekindled. And there were ch- another game that I ended up watching the end of. I left at 3-0 on this game. It was brutal, man. Brighton just came back. Zerbi was not going to let their greatest rival beat them. Especially after the result Brighton had last yeah. week, uh, getting killed by Luton. Yeah, and in that regard, you know, for, for Brighton, they had four different goal scorers, and I thought their ba- their best goal was the very last goal they scored with the build-up to João Pedro for the last goal. Um Olise did come off what looks like injured for Palace, and that is a huge loss for them mm-hmm. if, if he's to miss any time. Um, Mateta got on the score sheet. We, we, we both know our thoughts on Mateta. We think he's a great striker in the making. But, yeah, there's just there's something going on with Palace, but they just have to make it to the end of the season avoiding relegation. I feel. When Dunk scored that first goal, um, you so just early. saw what the, the, the Palace— T- 
team. Yeah. I couldn't. Then they showed the away fans. Everyone was just like, shit. Yeah. And then at 33 and 34, it was just goal after goal. And that's when I was just, I switched to the, the, the Luton Town game because that game was getting nuts. But um, we'll go over that when we get to it. But yeah, man. And then did you see what the, what happened? The fan, the away fans were trying to get on the pitch and were yelling at the players and the coaches. And After you had texted me about it, I did see a clip of it. Um, it wasn't bad, but it just looked you could, bad. Yeah, the fans were... So to give, us, to give you guys some context, game ended. Uh, there was a Palace player. I think it was Joachim Anderson. Who went over to clap the away the, supporters. But the, all the fans that for Palace were just sitting there screaming, pointing fingers at the, at the group. And coming down and having to bring the stewards in to back each other up. Exactly. They were coming right down pitch side and pointing and yelling and I don't know what they were yelling but they looked mad yeah um, made every right to be mad scary scenes for Palace fans uh, we, we do hope uh, you know Hodgson can get them over the line and just keep them out of relegation so they can maybe look into into rebuilding for next next year but you know as yeah. an idea for a book I would love to just be able to live in the UK and just ride the trains home from some of these games <laughs> maybe not even go to just the to game, hear just hang out at a pub just to hear what they're just, talking about just sit on the train and see either of these big away like games where it's either a big swing one way or the other yeah. like I'd love to be on the train back to Liverpool and the train today and yesterday be bound the train back from Brighton to South London, um, but uh, overall, my your what are your thoughts on this game? Man? I know you usually ask me that question, but <laughs> I, I I think it was a much deserved win for Brighton. Uh, it's just a little bit heartbreaking for Palace fans. Yeah. I got a little bit of a soft spot for teams that are under that much fire. Uh, because Palace and Everton have been in the league as long as you and me have been supporting this league, yeah. and to see both of them in danger of going away, yeah. it, it's a little scary because. And then teams like Brentford and Brighton are ready to take their place. Yeah. And, you know, it's like I always tell people when um, they start getting stressed at work, I go, don't get too stressed. This place will go on without you. Yeah. We'll, they'll hire people. It'll move on. It may change. But I just don't want to see them go, man. Yeah. But I do want to see certain teams stay up. For sure. And we, we both want to see Hodgson, you know, end his career on a bright note for Palace because historically he has been one of their greatest managers uh, that the, that they've had in the last 25 years. And so. a great manager overall. I know people don't like his England stint, but... Yeah, it is what it is. He's a good man. Yeah. Uh, credit to Brighton, though. Um, on to the next... And Brighton in the table, again, we'll have to discuss because they are very close to that, that top six spot as well. Um Next game here, guys, we have Burnley at home drawing Fulham 2-2. Two to two. Matt, I chose to watch this game versus the others because I just had a sense that this game would be entertaining. I'm glad you did because <laughs> I watched the first half of one and the other half of the game we're going to cover after this. Yeah. And I think I and Kat got the you know the gist of both games because both of them happened in the periods I watched and right. I missed the half where things were starting to cook. Yeah. Or, in Crystal Palace's case, fall off a cliff and then the game we're going to talk about next starting to boil over. Exactly. But I'm glad you watched this because I only watched the highlights and it seemed like one of those games where you needed to see it building to see what was happening because the highlights made it look, didn't really... I don't know. They weren't even highlights. There was not much action. Yeah. I'll be honest with you. Uh, I don't think Fulham deserves to even score two goals. Um, and I think the I mean the XG supports it as well. Yeah. They're at 1.2. Burnley well, Burnley only has one XG too. Yeah. So that's the thing is Burnley actually controlled possession for most of the game. Uh, I'm not too sure what the possession stats will say, but. Burnley looked like they controlled this game, but they could not create. It was more so them passing around their back lines around midfield, trying to break down Fulham after they went 2-0 down. Um, uh, not I was going to say Vinicius, but he's on loan. Uh, Paulinho's goal 
we never talk about Paulinho, um, but we both. Uh, I, I don't know if no, you're. Fam- you mentioned he's been a, a um, we call it a honorable mention and some stuff. He is. About. He, he's been linked to these big six clubs mm-hmm. because he is a very talented midfielder um, who kind of goes under the radar because he is at Fulham. But he is a difference maker as to why we don't know which Fulham team is going to come out. If he is on his A game, Fulham is a very good team. Uh, uh, I would say around mid-table for sure. From the looks of him too, he needs to be... He would do great in a system where he has support like Liverpool or an Arsenal. For sure. Yeah. Or City. I mean, anyone will do good City. Exactly. And, and yeah, as... Sorry, Calvin Phillips. <laughs> and, and I thought Willian as well had a great first half. But again, I felt Burnley deserved something from it. Just because they controlled mm-hmm. possession, they just couldn't make use of their chances. We get into the second half and they sub on Chelsea Loney, David Datro Fofana. And he scores a brace. Now, the first goal... I felt his off-ball movement was great to get into the position for the header, but it was a big mistake from Burn Leno uh, for his goal. And then the second one was a little lucky because Tim Ream kind of slipped and uh, Fofana's like foot like caught the ball as he was falling down. Now, Fofana got into the right areas at the right times, but he is a very, very raw player. And I'm sure, for example, Chelsea fans will go on the media and be like, this is why we should be keeping these players. You know, they're so much better than what we have. If you guys watch the game... Fofana lost the ball at least three to four times in the 20 minutes that he was in on the field for. He didn't have a great you were touch. Playing, he was playing against Fulham. Yeah, and, and in that regard... He won't do that against Liverpool yeah. or City or maybe Newcastle, I mean. Yeah, and, and with a, such a raw player like that, like he has very good skill when he gets on the ball. He has good off-ball movement, as I've said, but it's everything else that he needs to work on. And um, I feel like under company, we could see a, a much uh, a much better player by the end of the season just depends on if he's going to be starting soon or not because of how raw he is um we saw broha come in uh for a little bit in the last 20 minutes he looked okay but again fulham were just kind of surviving at that point they could not create anything after burnley got uh their first goal and then especially after the second goal it looked like burnley could have maybe even gotten a third so um credit to burnley uh credit to fulham as well for for uh, getting an early lead uh, we'll have to see what Burnley's uh, points look like uh, in the table, but it's not looking good still. Yeah, him, uh, them and Sheffield are not looking good, and we'll get to them in a little bit. But. For sure. Uh, into probably, again, one of an, an instant classic, one of the games of the season. Uh, Newcastle at home. At home. Newcastle United. At James Park. <laughs> yeah, at home, drawing Luton 4-4. Four to four. Matt, what the hell happened? Four to four. I came into this game at 58 minutes. And let me walk you through what's happened up to that point. Sean Longstaff had scored at seven minutes and 23 minutes. Osa had scored at 21. Ross Barkley had scored at 40. And I came in like three seconds before the Carlton Morris penalty. I didn't see what caused the penalty. I was there with seeing people yelling at the referee and a guy standing on the spot holding the ball. That's what I came into. 2-2 with Luton getting a penalty. <laughs> yeah, and uh, just absolute mayhem. First off, did you think that was a, a penalty? Did, did they show the, the replay? With the it? recap, uh, 51-49. Yeah. I'm glad it went Luton's way. For but sure. I, From a non-biased perspective, yeah. it's very close. Yeah. yeah. I agree. Um, yeah, Longstaff had a first-half brace, friend. Um you know, he's been someone that's been out injured who's been a good option for, for Newcastle, with especially with Bruno being out. Um, or sorry, Sandro Tonali, I should say, as well. Um, it just, 
Go ahead. Go ahead. We were coming unglued, guys. We were texting each other because Reese told me to switch over from the Crystal Palace game. I was like, you're right. I switch over hoping Crystal Palace would come back. I go watch Luton go up by within the five minutes we watch a game four to two. Luton is up four to two at Newcastle. <laughs> and then I have to tell Reese that within ten minutes or to less than ten minutes, it's four four at seven three minutes with me supporting Luton with my little Luton hat on, going, <laughs> Oh my god. I find it interesting that Eddie Howe is still playing the exact same sort of football uh, to this point, if it clearly hasn't been working. Uh, he played Anthony Gordon at the striker position at one point in the game, or maybe for the until uh, he was subbed off for Callum Wilson. Why did Callum Wilson not start this game to begin with? Wasn't Callum coming up with injuries? Possibly, but I, f- I think he was playing. Uh, he played against uh, uh, Chelsea in the Carabao Cup a couple weeks ago. I, no, then I don't know why he wasn't starting. They need him. And you've asked me this question, I think, twice early on this podcast. After watching this game, I think that at the end of the season, Newcastle needs to figure out their finances with the get their sponsorship good because if they're going to be part of the Big Seven. They need to be jump into that conversation with Chelsea and Arsenal at the tail end of the Big Six. Yeah in terms of uh, financing and sponsorships and because they might not be in Europe, they need to figure out, they, I think Eddie Howe's gotten him as far as he can go. Yeah. I think it's time to start looking at a new manager. I agree. If you don't sack him in the summer um, and bring in somebody else, then you need to have a plan if things don't go good and you need to make the decision before the January transfer window. You need to make the decision, be ready to go with your decision in November yeah. and stick with it because this is what he's going to give you. Last season was a fluke, I think, for Arsenal and Newcastle to finish as high as they... No, not fluke. Maybe that's a better word. Bad wording. Um, they over, overachieved. They overachieved. Thank yeah. you. Um Arsenal was the second best team, but in terms of points, I don't think they should have been as close to City as they were. And I don't think Newcastle should have been a kind of uncontested third. <laughs> and right now, compared to them finishing third last season in the league and one, being one of the best defensive teams in, in, in Europe's top five leagues, they're 10-3-10. and 10. 10 losses at this point in the season for a team that was third last year. Mm-hmm. It's not a good look. And not to mention the disaster in the Champions League. I exactly. mean, they got the group of death, but still. You, the third best team in the Premier League should be able to handle themselves. The ownership group went in with expectations that they would at least make the round of 16 for the Champions League. And then obviously it depends on who you're playing, you know, when the draw comes out, etc. But for them to be falling out of the Champions League, not even be in Europa League, right? Because they mm-hmm. took fourth. Yeah. And, man, their finances is going to be very tough. They could be in line for an FFP type of issue by next season if they're not offloading players. I feel like they have to maybe sell Isaac, who it's going to cost you around $70, $90 million to sell, mm-hmm. but I think he has to go if they're not going to be getting into Europe this season. They have to get some sort of Europe competition. As, as an Arsenal fan, he's the guy I hope, but I know they're going to end up spending what they would on Osiman Oiz, Oiz, or um, Tony for him, and I think him and Osiman are the two best options. Yeah. I honestly think Isaac is probably the best. If, if he is available on the market in the summer, he should be the first priority for clubs that are looking for a striker. Mm-hmm. He is a seasoned Premier League player, and he is scoring in much better ratios than his counterparts have. Seared Premier League player. Yeah, I, I don't think seasoned. Is yeah, he's seared. only been in, it, been yeah. in it for like a season. But yeah, like, he's been in since last January. He's been in a year. Yeah, but with he a has break. made he has made a difference for yeah. this Newcastle side. No, that he's and been I here agree for. with you, I, honestly. I 
the Arsenal Vision Boys did the thing, and Clyde brought up Isaac, and he's saying if Newcastle put him up for anything short of ninety million, Arsenal should pounce and not yep. even blink an eye. I agree. I, and I agree he, with him there. I think he would be the guy to knit that attack together and give Jesus a challenge and make Arsenal like feared in the league. Him or o- o- honestly, all three strikers would fit your guys' system. It's I, just there's something about Oshiman like him that, and Tony have personalities that I don't 100 think will mess with the team first mentality at, gotcha. at Arsenal. But back to sorry, finish your thoughts, and I want to get back to Luton Town and what this amazing thing they did was. Yeah, I mean, I was sorry, just, I mean to interrupt you, sir. No, it's all good. I was just gonna say, like in terms for Oshiman, like. If he joins your team, he is going to score goals. But there's just something about Oshiman in the Premier League that I just don't see working unless he f- goes into a City or an Arsenal system. Mm-hmm. I don't think he will fit into a Chelsea team because Chelsea are a very possession-dominant type of team. I want to talk to you about Chelsea when we get to them. But For sure. We, let's give Luton their flowers. This was a hell of a game. Yeah. Ross Barkley was cooking, man. And he looks like the player of like five seasons ago in this Luton team. And if he gets him to stay up, man, it would be amazing. Yeah. I mean, he's looking like how he was at Everton. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, with Sambi Lakanga also playing well. Um, and they've also reinforced in January, too. This is a team that should be out of this relegation fight if they continue this type of form. Yeah. Um, it seems like they're getting points at will now. Like, it. Well, they, remember they went through this cycle before where they climbed out of. They've separated themselves from Sheffield and Burnley. Yeah. When we remember we were, we were gushing about them before, um, they separate when they and it ended with that tie to Burnley, and then they went on a little bit of a loss where they went toe to toe with City, went toe to toe with Arsenal, mm-hmm. and then they and Liverpool in that time period, and they were picking up little draws against teams they shouldn't, yeah. and pulling themselves out, uh, separating themselves from the pack. Now they're in. I think they're in that pack with like Crystal Palace, Everton. And now Sheffield and Burnley have to figure out which one of them can move and try and drag a Burnley. It's going to take back. It's going to take something drastic. And and speaking of Sheffield, we'll jump into the next game. Credit to Luton, uh, especially of making it an game, instant man. classic. Credit to both sides, honestly. Between them and Arsenal, man, my I I'll have to go back and look at my heart chart, but I think my my heart rate was going up and down the whole weekend. <laughs> um, into the next game here, guys. We have Sheffield at home losing. 5-0 to Aston Villa. Um, Matt, we talked a couple weeks ago about in terms of Villa showing cracks, and this kind of started when they last played Sheffield United mm-hmm. uh, when they got a late winner. This time did not look like any sort of difference in that regard. They completely dominated this game. The cracks are still there, in my opinion, because sure. of what happened with them just letting Newcastle, who a Newcastle who got at their home ground, got just torn apart apart by it's by a Luton town and I love Luton but I still gotta say Luton it's Luton town if your credentials for both these teams are to be Aston Villa and Newcastle to make it a top eight um there have been showing of cracks in both their armors really bad this season but this Aston Villa went out and it was just they made Sheffield United look like at a At 30 minutes, team. I started doing chores and just left the game on in the background. And I'm sorry, but I had stuff I had to do because I had a busy day evening and I had to start getting prepped. And it just, I saw no chance Sheffield was getting back into this game. Yeah. I thought uh, the left back for Villa, I think his name is Alex Moreno. I thought he had a great game mm-hmm. uh, along with Bubakar Kamara right, again. Just doing that fifth goal. Yeah, for sure. Um, 
yeah, not, not too much on this one. Sheffield, they did have 1.5 XG, so that cracks. They were talking about with Villa showed still a little bit because they did have good opportunities. They they did. I saw two of the opportunities that they had. Even when they were down, they still fought. Yeah. But I just didn't think they were had had enough to, to come back against this team because every time it looked like they were coming back, then, like, T. Lemons would score. Yeah. Do you think the Blades of Wilder gas is running out a little bit, or you think they are still able to give in, get put in good performances? Because obviously, I think it's safe to say we can write them off in terms of getting out of the relegation battle. But over the last couple of weeks, we have seen a much, much better Sheffield side versus Higginbottom uh, previously. Do you think the Blades of Wilder are still going to be able to keep this team afloat in terms of those performances that we've been seeing lately? So um, Rebecca Lowe was talking about this, where he had some comments for the media and the referees earlier on while they're to try and jazz up his team and it didn't work but if he he's trying to create that siege mentality i don't know if it'll be enough for them to get out of it but it may be enough to save his job so he can come back into and not next yeah. season but the season after for sure i agree because uh, i think this team would be a top five team in the championship i agree uh credit to villa um like I said, Sheffield, we just got to see if you guys can just put in some good performance just to end on a high note going into uh, uh, into the next season. We're jumping into the Sunday slate here, guys. Uh, first game up for me, I'm showing Chelsea at home, losing to Wolves 4-2. to Now, what were your thoughts on the game? Uh, my thoughts were watching your text messages come in while I was watching uh, another game was just like, oh, I feel bad for my boy. <laughs> How you feeling, though? Yeah, yeah. Uh, First 20 minutes, uh, you can tell we had some errors in us, and we lost the game off of individual errors uh, because the first goal that Chelsea scored was great buildup, and Caicedo per- played a perfect through ball to Cole Palmer, who finished a one, didn't even take a touch, just first time ripped it bottom left. I was like, that looked a little too good, you know? Maybe I should be a little bit more excited than I am, but I'm still kind of nervous right now. Not even two minutes later, Caicedo giveth taketh whatever the terminology is, is. he set up the kuna kuna goal kunya goal kunya goal yeah so what happened was uh caicedo gets the ball in the midfield and he is a lone cdm in this formation and two players come up he didn't get the ball off his feet in time they come on a counter and it's a deflected goal and like i said not even two minutes later after he played a perfect assist to cole palmer um and then in regards to that um, the second goal that uh, Wolves scored was another deflected goal. This actually counted as an own goal. So we're down 2-1 at halftime. What pissed me off the most, Matt, was we stopped giving the ball to our best damn player on the field. Why did you stop trying to look for Nkunku on the field? When he got the ball, he made plays. Mm-hmm. He He made good movements off the ball as well. I don't care if this dude is still coming back from injury. He looks better than half of our attackers do. Not even two weeks removed from this injury. Now, into the second half. Go ahead. I want to ask you this question while it's in my brain here. Um, I'm going to check out the uh, Chelsea fan base after I get done with some stuff tonight. I love the videos. I send them to you constantly of the eruptions of Chelsea fans, either... Talking yeah. trash or anger. They're calling for his head, man. Yeah, they're calling for Poch's head, and I just don't know who you're going to bring in. Like, both Man United and Chelsea want Mourinho back. The issue is, Matt, 
is the if I wish it was Pochettino's fault. Like I genuinely wish it was Pochettino's fault. I think it's your squad building. It's the it's not even that though. It's the individual errors. It's the lack of experience. Gusto had a mistake that cost a penalty. Well, that's what I meant. Just too much youth, too fast. Yeah, and. Again, we've never seen a rebuild like this before, and I feel like we have this conversation every single week, man. But to keep it short. No, I, this is Arsenal's rebuild on steroids because exactly. we kept Xhaka. We had some guys around. Um, they brought in You still Zinchenko, had veterans. Veterans. They yeah. brought in Jorginho. It was a slow trickle of veterans, but they brought in the youth and then brought in some. Exactly. Even like Kai Havertz. Like this season, Kai Havertz has won a Champions League with you guys. Kai Havertz is a veteran of a side that gave Bayern Munich a a challenge you know he's a veteran who's done some stuff yeah and you know when you only have tiago silva and i'll put quotations over raheem sterling because he has not been a great i forgot form. about raheem i knew about tiago but to it's, me raheem has never seemed like a leader he's always seemed like a party boy kind of guy and he hasn't he seemed like an Aubameyang. he hasn't shown leadership mm-hmm. uh to to bring the side to to culminate and um, again, a lot of the blame is put on, like I said a couple weeks ago, I feel like Caicedo is the key to this Chelsea team. And when he has a bad game and makes those individual errors, cause he's what, 19, 20 years old doing these, like doing these mistakes, you kind of just have to roll with the pain because again, guys, no matter what, when next season or the season after rolls around, if, the, if, if Chelsea can remain within FFP and they don't have to offload a bunch of players, this team is frightening. Like it is mm-hmm. a frightening team to play against. They just need to get past the the pain of growing up, just like Saka and Martinelli had to go through an Odegaard. But I just don't know who you're going to bring in. Like I've seen Chelsea fans last night calling for Mourinho, and Man United fans are calling for Mourinho. And I'm like, Mourinho will not touch this Chelsea team. Mourinho demands high-priced veteran talent. You know what the issue knows is? knows what they're going to do. And this is not Chelsea right now. They, they called for Potter's head. They didn't like when Lampard came in. Mm-hmm. You can't. I'm, this goes beyond management. It goes beyond. They have to gain experience, yeah. and it's gonna suck for for the rest of the season. Maybe the next season as well, to an extent. But this, these are the growing pains that Chelsea has to go through in order to get back to where they were previously. You you can't the only, rush this. You can't. The only rush this. manager I could see that could turn this around. Don't say his name. If it, it is, hold on. Go ahead and say the name, but don't say his name. Okay. No. God no. <laughs> Matt said Klopp, guys, yeah, but yes. yeah, he would never he would never go to another Premier League team, as yeah. he stated. I thought you were gonna say Mr. Tuchel, because no, he's got I, a I got a soft spot for him, man. You'd you'd break my heart if he says no. His name. I, Klopp, I think, could do something with this team. Yeah, and, um, but again, it 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 comes down this is to free at the end of the year. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, back to your thought. I just wanted to finish I my got job. you. Um, let's go to the other side with Wolves. Um, they are so clinical, and Mario and Lamina again was outstanding for for Wolves. Um, and then also their left back one blanking had a great game as well. But they're also still missing our patron chain. We miss you, Wang. We miss you, man. Yeah. Come back home, man. Well, win, win, win your cup, and yeah. then come back home. Well, even though you're technically, I don't know where they're playing at, but he's closer to home. But I hope you come home to the Premier League soon, man. We miss seeing you ball. But yeah, I thought Cunha and, and Neto again was just yeah. Fantastic. I was just gonna ask, like the scores. Cunha's got a, a hat trick, and yep. and then the own goal was from your guys, this guy that I've never even heard of. Tassasi. Yeah. yeah. I got a unfortunate thing to say. Lay it on me. I think Mudrick needs a loan, and I think we need to buy a left wing. Um, I think we need wait to. Wait a minute. Wait, 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 oh, wait, 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 hold on. Wait. Let me cook up. Okay. First. Me... Explain yourself because yeah. you you, you trolled me last in the season. I have to. But yeah. on the ball, 
Mudrik is very good at football. Uh, off the ball, Mudrik is very bad at football, and he is not very good defensively either. Um, you can see, I don't know, again, if it's the lack of experience because he doesn't have a bunch of professional game time in that regard, but you can see that he does not work hard enough off the ball uh, beyond just using his speed. What top three teams would you want him loaned to? Um, excluding Premier League teams. Yeah. Uh, you can go anywhere in Europe, South America, Asia. Excluding Premier League teams. So, yeah. I Championship, mean, too. If you want to loan to the champ, I don't think you're going to want to. You're going to want to get first sure. you know, top flight experience. I think to earn off, to play well off the ball, I think he has to go to the Italian League or to Germany. Um, and I think in the Italian League, a team like, you know, for example, uh, Inter or Napoli or, or Milan. Not really Milan because they have Leao, who I would want as my left wing personally. But uh, be, uh, um, Napoli or, or or Inter, I feel I could use a player like him in a transition play. Okay. Um, and then in the Bundesliga, BVB, Borussia Dortmund, um, pair up with Ian Matson on loan. You know, uh, I feel like they have a very good youth. They're very good at building youth players. And I think Mudrik needed a step before joining one of these big ty- type of clubs. And what about like a team like Stuttgart? Yeah. Again, another team that would fit the bill. It it just has to be a place where he can work off the ball and show development in that area. Because on the ball, he's good. He's fast. He makes good decisions most of the time. There's just an inconsistency to it. And I honestly think the whole left flank needs a, a little bit of a revamp. I think no Spanish clubs you think about. Uh, I think the obvious one would be Girona, you know, the the team that's battling for first right now with Real Madrid. But uh, I mean, do you think the city would want him in their system? I think it's just the style of football mm-hmm. in Spain is so different mm-hmm. compared to Premier League football. I gotcha. just don't think he'd fit. But um, and yeah. the French league is just a no go. Come on, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, and 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 Ben Chilwell as well. I think Ben Chilwell isn't great, but I think it's maybe time to give him some competition too. Yeah. Um, I think. Do you have any other final thoughts on the Chelsea game before we move on? Credit to Wolves, man. They 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 are a very solid side, and once the Patriots Saint comes back, that front three is going to be fun to watch. Into the very last game we're going to cover of the Sunday slate, we have no, Man. No, we have two. We have Man United, West Ham, and Nottingham Bournemouth. Sorry, guys. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Board. Uh, we have Man United at home defeating West Ham three to nil. Dominant. Matt, what were your thoughts on the game in terms of the game? Or sorry, so, the game itself. But, this was a game where Garnacho did his Cristiano Ronaldo impression, where he got them goals they shouldn't have been gotten into goals. Um, when you, we, let's look at the XG. So it ended up 3-0. West Ham had 1.18. Man United had 0.97. Yeah. The, the the goal from Hoinberg, Hoijberg? Sorry, guys, I'm bad with... Hoijland. You know, Hoijland, thank you. <laughs> I'm bad with non, like, or European and Central American names. Um... That was a goal that was a goal. It was a counterattacking goal. He got it's a good. great goal. set him up. Amazing goal. Yeah. The other two were just kind of fairy dust from Garnacho. Yeah. I think I tested you after the second goal. And that is played out in the XG. West Ham kept playing their football. They just couldn't get anything in the net because they didn't have a Garnacho to, to turn chicken shit into chicken salad. They had a bunch of opportunities. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought in particular uh, for both teams, I thought Kobe Manu had a good game again. Mm-hmm. Um, the Bowen youth, had a good game. I was about to say Bowen as well, but the youth, excuse me, the youth for United um, has impressed me. Uh, the last two games that we've seen, Garnacho, mm-hmm. Maynou, and Hoyland, 
And those you see their celebrations for all they the all goals sat where together. they sat together. Yeah, it's, it's cute, man. You know, mm-hmm. kids all hanging out together. I like it. But um, pause. Uh, in that in that respect as well. Uh, I didn't think that <laughs> you said it. I went, wait a minute. I just had to make sure. You know, cover okay. my, cover my bases. But right. I'm with you, man. They West Ham absorbed. They they played their game. They absorbed pressure. They got on the counter, and they even had windows of possession where they should have scored. It reminded me of the Everton game where Everton got off the points deduction, and Garnacho just had to change the way the they bike. played. Yeah, I got you. Well, it, he just did. He does this. I call it his Cristiano Ronaldo impression because he's the only Argentinian I know that prefers Ronaldo over Messi. <laughs> yeah, true. Um, true. And I can't think of any other Argentinians that have publicly said it like he has. But he just does that where he has that little moments of magic where he and then he forces you to change the way you play because now you're down instead of being down one nil, now you're down two nil or down three nil in this case. For Lissandro Martinez, uh, I saw he had a pretty big injury. Uh, do hope he recovers, you know, pretty quickly, and we can see him soon. But based well, on he just came back, yeah, what we've seen from Ten Hag is that it's not looking good. So mm-hmm. uh, thoughts with Lissandro. Credit to United. Uh, into the last game of the Sunday slate, yep. guys, we have Bournemouth at home drawing Nottingham Forest one to one. Matt. What were your thoughts on what we've seen from this game? Well, I know we couldn't watch much because we had yeah, two other games going. on. We had on. two other games going on at the same time. Honestly, I saw little bits um, on the Sunday morning show with yep. the in between the games, and the Philip Billing red card kind of looked a little sus. It was a um, it was a little harsh red card. Yeah, but it was a one one before that, and then it kind of just basically forced Forrest wasn't going to score, and it yep. forced Bournemouth to stay in their shell. Exactly. Um, as for the first goal for Bournemouth, uh, I did like Coivert's uh, finish on it. Um, and then for Forrest, I thought Odoi uh, got into good areas as well. So um, in that regard, I don't understand VAR. I know I say this almost every week in the rules. But, dude, like, the guy put his cleat up to try and get the ball. It was bouncing a little bit, and he happens to land on his foot. Like, come on. Is a red card necessary if he is even behind him in the middle of the field? I understand if they were further up the pitch, you can make it a red, but... Same thing happened to um, Fabio Vieira from Arsenal, where he basically we were short on men, and he basically was just banned for three games because of something that he couldn't was, really control. You know, just just football, man. You got to let those ones slide. And I feel like if VAR wasn't here, those are one of those tackles that may not even get called uh, in certain circumstance. But uh, credit to both sides. Uh, very entertaining, at least from the highlights perspective, from what I've seen. Let's go ahead and jump into the table. Uh, bottom of the league, Sheffield 20th, uh, 10 points, Burnley. Can with... we go through the whole table? Because yeah. a lot of stuff has happened in the mid-table this week. For sure. Uh, Sheffield with 10 points, in 20th place. Burnley with 13 points. Everton with 19 points, and still in that relegation spot. Uh, Luton, still a game in hand, 20 points just outside of relegation. Forest is right now at 21 points. Uh, so they are literally within a game of being in relegation in a relegation and that's battle. If, if Luton was able, is able to beat Bournemouth, then they. Or even get a point, really. Yeah. Like they'd be on par with them. But uh, very scary uh, considering they play tomorrow. Brentford uh, with 21 games played, so they'll still have a game in hand after tomorrow, but they have 22 points. Uh, so the bottom five yeah. are very, very close right now. Uh, Crystal Palace is in 14th with 24 points, only two points ahead of Brentford. Fulham with 26 points. Bournemouth with 27 points and in 12th 12th place with the game in hand. Chelsea now in the bottom half of the table with 31 points. Yep. 
Wolves jump into the top half with their big win against Chelsea with 32 points. Newcastle with 33 points. Brighton with 35 points. West Ham now in 7th place with 36 points. And now into the Europa League is Manchester United with 38 points. With still negative 1 goal differential. I don't know how math maths, but I failed Algebra 1, so I'm going to let that slide. They had a gate two games where they got blown apart earlier yeah. in the season. I don't remember what they were, but if somebody beat them like like five to one. Gotcha. Okay. I think it might have been City. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me. Yeah. Um, and then six points ahead of, of the sixth spot, we have Tottenham in fifth place with 44 points. Aston Villa with 46 points. So they now actually have a two-point lead over Tottenham in that fourth place spot. Uh, Man City that can play. job was costly for them. Yeah. Uh, Man City, who uh, still has to play tomorrow, they have 46 points, so they're tied two with Villa. Games in hand. And they have two games in hand. Um, so if they win, Matt, if they win. Arsenal's back in third. Well, if they win tomorrow, mm-hmm. and let's hypothetically say they win again, and like they're on par with everybody, they mm-hmm. would be first in the league. Mm-hmm. Scary. That's uh, what I was saying, because yeah. it's like City is now, is again the boogeyman exactly. going into these final. February, March, April, and May. And that's the worst time to play Manchester Mm -hmm. City. Um, And then in second place, we have 49 points for Arsenal. And in first place, with a two-point cushion, we have Liverpool. So, guys, again, if you don't watch the Premier League, I don't know what you're doing. Yeah, doing here. Yeah. In particular. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, We're going to go ahead and take a break. We'll be right back with you guys. All right, guys. We are back with the preview of week week match week 24, if I can ever get that out. Uh, first up, we start with Everton uh, visiting Manchester City. Ah, Manchester. Saturday. Yeah, uh, Everton just got a big result against Tottenham. Uh, we still have to see, obviously, City's performance tomorrow to see what type of City team well, comes out. They're going to have the team. shortest rest of any team. Yeah. Everton's going to have a two extra days on them. Exactly. So, um, And we know that Deitch formation is hard to break down as well. Uh, I think City get away with this one, though. I think it's going to be 2 0 to City. I'm thinking 1 0 to Man City. Gotcha. Okay. You got and a guess on who scores that goal? I'm guessing it's going to be um, Alvarez. Alvarez? All righty. Um, next up, we have Brentford visiting Wolves, a mid-table clash. I like this game. Uh, I can always get down for a Brentford-Wolves game. Uh, again, Brentford play tomorrow, so we have to see, but they are playing City, so I don't have too high of expectations. Um, any possibility we see our patron state next weekend are a little unlikely with the Asian Cup. I even I know he was in the final four. I don't know if the, the semifinals have gone off yet. I think Sun scored a free kick in the dying minutes to take them to the final over the weekend. Okay. Maybe we will. We'll see. We'll see. But well, I'm 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 gonna assume the score line without. Uh, I'm doing my thoughts without a hey. patron saint. Okay. I'm gonna go with a two zero to Wolves. Two zero to Wolves. I'm gonna have it as a draw. I think Brentford put in a good performance off the back of a city loss. Is my prediction. Um, and I think they go one to one in a draw. All right. Next up, we have Bournemouth visiting Fulham. Ooh. South Coast going to East London or West London. There you go. Uh, another great game, honestly. Um, hopefully, we get to see Broha starting up top for Fulham. Uh, I think that gives them a better chance of beating uh, the Cherry Prince. But I don't think they walk away with any sort of luck. I'm having two nil to the Cherries. One one draw. Not bad. I think that's a fair I don't know if Fulham's going to show up. Yeah. I don't know. We never know. <laughs> All right. Then we have Brighton coming up from the other part of the South Coast to visit Tottenham at the Tottenham Hotspur Ooh. Mega Stadium. 
especially after uh, a couple weeks ago Brighton throttled uh, Tottenham in a in a smashing and probably Brighton's best performance of the season. And Brighton loves games in North London. Yes. Remember for a season where uh, North London was blue? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the issue is... is... Or, or is it North London covered in seagull poop? <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> The the issue is is that they're playing Tottenham off the back of a not so good result, and Bostakoglu doesn't mess around when he when he drops points. Uh, I think this is close contested. I don't think any team walks away with a win here. I think it's going to be three to three in a barn burner, Matt. I'm thinking four to three Brighton win. Okay, fair, fair. Well, escaping with another win uh, against Tottenham, I could see it. I could see. It. Because they gotta maintain their dominance. Because they couldn't beat Arsenal in North London, they gotta maintain their North London dominance That's from true. the seaside. Shout out the goals. What's mm-hmm. the next game? Uh, Sheffield visiting Luton Town to the Cauldron of Orange Cauldron and Luton. This is gonna be a very fun match. Uh, a proper championship match where these guys are probably gonna put in some Brexit tackles, and there will be some yellow cards. There will be some fights in the stand. No, I'm just kidding. Let's hope for no violence. But it's gonna be a fun game, Matt. Um, I can see the Blades of Wilder visiting this cauldron and walking away with the result. Give me 1-0 to the Blades of Wilder and let it be a McAtee winner in the 97th minute. To completely break hearts. I'm I'm going 2-0 to Luton. There you go. They win this game (laughs) and they are... Getting edges away from the relegation. Fight. We'll put a bragging rights wager wager on okay. this game. Two zero to Luton for me. All right. Sorry, guys. I normally have my little sheet made out because I host this section. Uh, I didn't have time to do it this weekend, so I'm kind of going off the cuff. So I'm writing down my my picks as we go. Uh, normally, you get Matt picking them on a Friday before the games, and right now you're getting them off the dome. <laughs> we we got a we we both had a pretty busy weekend, so cut us some slack, guys. In that regard, nah, I think we're doing okay. Um, next up, we have Burnley visiting Liverpool. <laughs> oh, poor Burnley. Yeah, I'll make this one short and sweet. Uh, if they put Darwin Nunez back in the lineup as, as a starter, and they put Gakpo back into the midfield, three nil to pools. I got three nil to pools as well. Yeah. They get I back literally on. wrote it down right before you said it. <laughs> they get back on the winning track, I can mm-hmm. see. Yeah. I think they have to. Yeah, for sure. Unless uh, David Dotro Fofana just drops a brace on their foreheads again, but I don't see that happening. <laughs> could happen. Yeah, of course. Um, next up, we have Newcastle visiting Forest. This one's interesting. For sure. Um, Nuno Ball is still a prominent force uh, since he's been hired. They've only dropped points to Arsenal in that dominant loss, but outside of that, they've been in some exciting games. Um, who's the home team? The Forest? home team is Forest. Okay. Newcastle's visiting Forest. I actually like Forest Ground. Like they have a solid stadium with a good atmosphere. Mm-hmm. I just don't think they get the result they're looking for. But I don't think it's the result they'll take. I'm going one to one. I'm gonna go two 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 two. Okay. I, I always hate when Arsenal goes there because they always stare at us. With we're champions of Europe, you'll never be that. And I hate to say, sorry, it. Matt. No, and it hurts every time I sing it. Because they haven't done much since they were champions of Europe. Hey, but they were a force when Uh they were, when they went in the 90s, man. That team was crazy. Anyways, what's the next game for us, man? Uh, Next up, we have Arsenal visiting West Ham at the London Stadium. Just less than two months after that, maybe even. It happened in late December. Yeah, it seems like these boxing dates. Yeah. The replays are coming back quickly. Mm -hmm. Um, I, this game's going to be interesting because, as we've talked about in previous weeks with Arsenal, them breaking down the low block is where we've seen them struggle. 
And this is the game. Every game since they've had their skid has been a test. And so far they've gotten past all three. This is the final one. Yeah. Because this is a team that recently just pulled your pants down. Yeah. And Um, although they didn't play well against United, West Ham is a team that is so solid and organized. And they should have gotten a couple goals against United. Just didn't go their way. mm -hmm. But I still see Arsenal squeezing their way out of this one. And I think it's a 2-1 win. I'm going to go with you on that. I was thinking 1-1, but I think you're right. I think it's going to be 2-1. Two, two, Something Set-piece goal. I was going to say a set-piece power Arsenal. comes. Either one of the big men knocks okay. it in. And then a and Bowen then, counterattack where he yeah. dribbles up from the goal line. <laughs> well, like three minutes after the set-piece goal to just go. neutralize it. And then... King um, Kai with the volley from half field. King, it's either Kai <laughs> or Trissard with a eight after 75th minute winner there you go where they did it and then we have 10 minutes of just getting our just throw everything thrown at the arsenal goal i could see it what's the next all right so next up we have man united visiting aston villa on the night king oh my gosh so united has already dethroned west ham for their spot um although united isn't directly below uh villa they are kind of within that six point Mm -hmm. range this one's going to be fun, man, because United have looked really, really good these last two games. And Newcastle's came to Villa's house and just yeah stole their lunch. <laughs> uh, it just depends on which Villa team, right? I mean, they've shown a lot of cracks. I think Ten Hag, again, is a big game manager, and I think he takes this one. I'm going 1-0 in a squeaky close game for United. I'm going 2-2. Both these guys seem to be tinkermen. I think they're going to tinker each other. They're going to galaxy brain it and get to 2-2 go. or 3-3. Just a game of chess the whole way. Mm-hmm. I could see it. In that regard, do you see the Night King even getting three points, or you think it's destined to be a draw or a loss for Villa? I think it's going to be a draw. I just okay. it's, this reminds me of when um, who's that guy who won it with? He played, he coached you guys for a while, and he won the championship at Leicester. They used to call him the Tinker Man. Oh, brother! Um, but you know what I'm talking about Ranieri, Claudio Ranieri. Yeah, yeah. He didn't. I don't think he, did he coach Chelsea. He coached Chelsea back right before that buyout. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. Sorry. You're right, you're right, you're right. That's history brain here. Um, <laughs> right when when he was one of the first managers when Abramovich was there. Okay. Either first manager or one of the managers right before that. Okay. Um, but he had a match when he was in charge of Leicester against Emery where I just, it was just like... One would make adjustments, the other one would yeah, make adjustments. They and just galaxy brain each other out of it, yeah. and just nobody won the game. And I think that what might be happening here, because if Ten Hag doesn't ex- his plan doesn't work perfectly, he doesn't seem to be able to adapt when his plan doesn't go right. And Emery's the same way. Yeah. And I think it'll either be three, it'll be some sort of draw. I just, I d- unless Garnacho does his Salt Bay impression and just blows it out of the water. <laughs> I just think. Villa haven't shown enough since the City and Arsenal games mm-hmm. for them to beat these bigger teams yeah. or or big top ten teams I should say they haven't shown enough where I could give them that full prediction of yeah. a win as confident as we were so confident in them second half like the second half of uh, or not second half the first half of the season mm-hmm. where we were pretty much certain that Night King would walk away with points now we're hitting that point where it's it's not convincing anymore so mm-hmm. we'll have to see how, what the performance they put in against and the United. last game is your game so just to recap guys normally I go over the day so. Um, West Ham and Arsenal is Sunday. Aston Villa and Man United is Sunday. All the other games are Saturday. And Monday is Chelsea versus Crystal Palace. Chelsea at Crystal Palace. 
Chelsea going to South Brondon proper. And both both fan bases are not happy with their respective managers right now. Sea of booze, I think. Yeah. Um, a couple weeks ago, uh, Palace just played Chelsea. You know, felt like yesterday, but and Chelsea walked away with a, a win, I think. I think it's going to be a 2-0 win for you guys. Yeah, unless, you know, they make a bunch of individual errors, I would agree. But I'm going to go with a 1 uh, I'm going to go 3-1 to Chelsea. I think Palace score, but I think Chelsea still win this uh, comfortably. With Eze out, I think it's going to be 2-2, 2-0. You're right. Eze and possibly Olisa. You know, I'm with you. 2-0 two, two to Chelsea. You I'm guys have two, like you said, you guys have a scary team when it clicks, and I think against this team that has to come out to save their lives, yeah. they're going to come out to play, and you guys are going to do what you did to Tottenham to them. Gotcha. So that wraps it up for these predictions. Yep. Is that right? And now we're into stoppage time, sir. Matt. Do you have any questions for me? Because I already asked all my stoppage time questions of you. <laughs> I have one question, and I think this is... I, I was going to do it on Thursday night, but it was obviously a little later. Yeah. Um, but what better way to do it off the back of an Arsenal-Liverpool game? Let's play the percentages game. Oh, God. Not necessarily <laughs> predictions. Okay. We have our league winners percentages. So I'll start, just to give you an idea. Right now, my percentage is as follows. Man City... 45% chance to win the league. Arsenal. 15% chance to win the league. I'm right about 60 right now, right? 60% used. 45 and 15 and 60, yes, sir. I have 30% for Liverpool. Don't give me that squint. No, I wonder who's your 10. <laughs> 10% miscellaneous. Okay. Was so that just Villa? Yeah, Villa, Spurs, you know, if, okay. if maybe United wins the rest of the year. I don't know, dude. You got to give some respect to the little horses. I got you, man. Got um, I'm not. Actually, hold on, hold on. Let me revamp that because okay. 15% was disrespectful to Arsenal considering I just put 10% for miscellaneous. 25%, tw- 20% to, for, Arsenal. to Arsenal. And 5% to miscellaneous. Thank okay. you. So I'm going to be disrespectful to all the other teams, and I think this is a three-horse race. I agree. I think 40% to Man City. Okay. Uh, 30% to Arsenal. Okay. Oh, sorry, 30, 30% to Liverpool, 29% to Arsenal, and 1%, they all get blown up by a Meteor and Villa wins. <laughs> or Spurs win or somebody. You know what? I think yours is a lot more accurate than mine. I gave too much yeah. respect to those miscellaneous teams. Yeah, I... I think it's a one percent right now that somebody else comes in because not not it's not just last year where or the previous years where it's two teams. This is a three team race right yeah. now because our if Liverpool had won today, it would just be between City and Liverpool. Now, since you don't have any further stoppage time questions, yeah. I'll ask one more. Yeah, do me. Yeah, let's do percentages for the relegation battle, oh. Matt. Um, so let's let's establish the five teams we think are in this relegation battle because two yep. teams are definitely Sheffield and uh, Burnley. Burnley. Yep. Luton has to be in there. Everton has to be in there, and Forest and Brentford. Okay, so Forest, Brentford. So I think Sheffield is. Okay, let's do this. Let's so, let's do the percentages. I think Sheffield is already relegated. Yeah, let's do let's relegation percentages in the aspect of who we the percentage chance that this team stays up. Okay, so Sheffield zero zero percent. <laughs> Actually, you know what? I'll give them a one percent chance. Ninety nine percent chance they're gonna get relegated. Hey, Leicester won the league at one point. Okay, man. Yeah, they, I know. That's on, why I'm, I'm giving them that one percent. I'm giving them hope. All right, so one percent for you on Sheffield. What is your percentage? Burnley gets Burnley stays up five percent. Okay, so you're at six. Everton. Now we're getting now yeah, we're getting now, these these next four teams four yeah. or five teams are going to be the ones. If Everton says I want to give them about 
Well, shoot, because they may have that extra <laughs> points deduction. I'm going to give them 51% chance. 51% chance that they stay yeah. up. Okay. There's 49% chance they're going down. Okay. So, we're at, okay, what about Luton? Luton, I will give them, honestly, I'll, I'll, I'll give them 55% chance they stay up, 45% chance they go down. Okay. Because, then... like you said, they go on these runs where they just play amazing, and then they can if, if be they beat she- yeah. if they beat Sheffield next week, I think it goes to 60, 40, 60 to stay up, forty they go down. Gotcha. What about uh, Forrest of Nottingham? Fifty uh, fifty, man. You really? You you don't have that much faith in Nuno Ball the rest of the season? <sighs> well, let me think because just <laughs> well, I, you're right. They also do have financial fair play breaches yeah, as well. Yeah, I, it just. With them, I think it's 50-50. If Everton and, like, say Everton draws against City, Luton beats Sheffield, then they're drugged down into this mire where things might not go good for them. Yeah. Uh, that's why I have them. If, I think all these teams, it's going to be really, like, 45-50, 55, that kind of range. Last team is Brentford. Brentford. Oh, actually, Brentford, I think there's an 80% chance Brentford stays up. I agree. 80 or 90. I think I would agree with you on all your predictions. Um, I think Everton I'd be a little bit less faithful in in that regard. I'd maybe give them like 45%. Yeah, just because I, I don't know where this this financial fair play... I'm gl- yeah. I'm glad the league's doing it, and I think the league really needs to control their house a little bit. It's heading in the right direction, because for a well, long time... Unfortunately, it seems like Everton's yeah. getting punched with it. Yeah, for a long time, Premier League has overspent on transfers, and it's ruined world football. And, and yeah, We've seen how the transfer market's gotten out of whack, yeah. and we also see how last year... Now, your team was one of the big big spenders last year, um, like... I don't know the numbers. Biggest spenders of all time. Yeah. But we could have funded a GDP for a country, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it was crazy how it's dropped off. The only team that really spent hard money this season in this January window was Spurs. Yeah. Because they had money to spend because they sold Harry Kane. West Ham blew all their Declan Rice money in the summer window to get ready for the season, which is the right move. You got Kudus mm-hmm. and James Ward-Prowse. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're right. There was a lot of loan deals going on. For sure. January Um, window, it finally felt like a real January window where most teams, if they were buying or were investing, it is to help them right now. Not something that, for example, Chelsea did last season in January. They were buying players to set them up for the next season. And Spurs did that. They brought in that dragon defender guy. Um, That's his nickname. Perfect. The dragon. I like it. But the problem (laughs) was that was they sold Harry Kane on like the day or like the last couple days of the transfer window. And they didn't know how much money they were going to get. Yeah, it, it, it made sense that they were the only team spending money because Forest can't spend money. They're under the microscope. Everton can't spend money. Arsenal can't spend money. Um, I don't you, know about the, the Manchester teams. You know you just made me worried about mm-hmm. Spurs? Like, you're right, dude. Like, they have not spent much money of that Harry Kane money. Like, next summer they could... Well, they spent 30 k but they also remember, of our, the three London teams, they had the highest revenue in the top big six. Guys, we'll keep an eye on Spurs, especially in the transfer rumors for in the summer, because they could make their move to sort of climb into that title race for next season, especially and with it how it doesn't look like they're going to screw it up like they did with the Gareth Bale money. Yeah, uh, that that defender they brought in, the Dragon. I feel like House they, Targaryen or whatever you want to call him. They he's need, a good player. Yeah, I don't know if it translates to the Premier League, but in Syria, yeah. he was putting Saliba and Van Dyke numbers in Syria. They need to give competition to Richarlison at that nine position. So they could also be in the market for an Ivan Tony or an Oshiman or Isaac as well. So I think Tony would fit Spurs. Yeah, for sure. 
he can be, he basically is a lesser version of Harry Kane. Mm-hmm. Great, great pass, uh, almost like a false nine cam in a sense. So, um, well, and, and also, yeah. I mean, do we cover the? I know we just did the rumors, but they got that last minute. Spurs got that last minute steal from Barcelona under the under the wire. Do we cover that? We did not on Thursday. Uh, I know who you're talking. About. It was a Swedish talent, mm-hmm. uh, Berger Videl or something like that, or Bervidel. Um, he looks cool. <laughs> he is a long-term purchase. Yeah. I don't think he is a guy that's going to help them in the title race uh, for next well, season or this. Yeah, definitely in the next two seasons, he could be a really good, really good player. But uh, Matt, another great episode. We have continued to love Premier League football. Uh, we've done over twenty episodes now, as we yep, forgot to we mention. forgot to mention it on <laughs> Thursday. Our big episodes always come on a day where you and me are just like, we just gotta get the pod out. Just, <laughs> we just gotta get through this. <laughs> Uh, like we pep talk each other before. Yeah. I'm like, I'm falling asleep. You're just like, I want to eat dinner. Yeah, I know, man. <laughs> uh, crazy episode. I uh, think next Thursday's like, I might just have to go get you dinner and just go. have it waiting for you here because I have time. That's why you're a good friend, man. <laughs> I appreciate that. Matt, go ahead and close us out, my friend. All right, live long and watch some football, guys. See you next week. Yes, sir. And we'll be also be covering that Manchester City game that's going to be done tomorrow. We're going to open with that unless one of the games blows us away. For sure.